This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. According to USDA's cattle inventory report, number of beef cows nationwide totaled just over 30 million head. That's the fewest beef cows since 2015. A decline of nearly 719,000 head is the largest year-to-year decline since 1996-97. In this region, beef cow numbers declined 11% in South Dakota, down 2% in North Dakota, and increased 7% in Minnesota. Beef heifer replacements are down 3.3% from last year, representing the fewest replacement heifers since 2014. Year-over-year, North Dakota's 8,000 fewer beef replacements. Minnesota and South Dakota increased the number of replacements by 5,000 head each. Ag Resource Company market analyst Nathan Losey says the beef inventories were tighter than what the industry was expecting. Based on the, the drought in the northern plains and the, and the large uh, beef cow slaughter rates that we saw in the last last year, that we were probably going to see a tighter inventory. Um, uh, but overall, I, things were a little bit little bit tighter than what was expected. Several things that stuck out to, to me. The first one was, you know, this marked the third year of uh, liquidation in the beef cow herd. And really, we, sh- we shrank the beef cow herd by 2.3%, which was the lowest uh, since 2014. It actually tied 2014 and, and, and was the lowest since uh, 1997. And Losey says the feeder cattle numbers off feed is down 4% from last year, the lowest since 2015. Total Farm Marketing market analyst John Heinberg says the livestock markets are in a slight hangover from the earlier this week's USDA semi-annual cattle inventory report. We had a pretty good price action putting that in. Market was anticipating a pretty tight report, and we and we got those numbers, which in the long run stays friendly. So maybe today is a little bit of scoring up. Obviously, feeders reacting to the strength in the grain markets as they're giving back some of those strong gains from yesterday. But again, the cattle market's uh, looking friendly longer term with those tighter numbers numbers that the USDA put out on that inventory numbers yesterday. Nearby soybeans top $15 again this week. Old crop beans haven't been at this level since last summer. Zaner Group Egg Hedge Lead Ted Seifred says it's a, check, a second chance to sell at a better price. The new crop soybeans are getting into higher prices as well. The 16 cents higher in November beans, that's, you know, thirteen eighty we're kind of getting up into some better pricing. <clears throat> I think we need to be looking at taking advantage of that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, the soybeans have been super impressive since December 1st, and that's all coming from concerns about South American weather. <laughs> you look at some of these projections of the reductions to, that we might see in that South American or that Brazilian soybean crop, and you start saying, well, you know, even with a 350 million bushel domestic carryover, if we were to get an extra 5 million metric tons of exports, for example, we're at a zero balance sheet. And that's what the market's trading right now. And as the corn and soybean markets battle for acres, Van On and Company market analyst Christy Van On says the strength in new crop soybeans may not be enough to sway farmers' interests away from planting corn. I think you're starting to get to an area in the Dakotas where you're saying, oh, okay, you know, I could make some good money at this, especially if I'm by an end processor for soybeans. But you're still having, you know, your core key heart of the corn belt looking and saying 575 corn is still better than 1380 beans. And I think that's the difficulty you are when you're looking at these kind of levels and saying, if I can get a good crop, the corn market is where it's at. What surprises me the most is the big push that you have out of beans and it really not making much of a dent and a change from what I've heard from some producers planting perspectives. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan.
Joining us now, Minnesota Farm Business Management Instructor Nate Converse, who works primarily with dairy farmers. Nate, that first focus is the balance sheet where we are working on our plans for next year to help us communicate with the bank so we kind of know where we're at and what we're looking at for a budget for 2022. And then I think, of course, we always want to take a look at 2021 and see where profitability trends were. Find an instructor near you at agcentric.org. Minnesota Farm Business Management. Serving farmers from Foston, Monoman, Ada, Crookston, and Thief River Falls to Jamestown, Langdon, Devils Lake, Castleton, Mayville, and Grafton. This is the Red River Farm Network. Agriculture's big business, and we cover it that way with markets, market analysis, crop progress reports, USDA reports, farm policy, and trade issues. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear about it on the Red River Farm Network. Go online or on your smartphone to rrfn.com. You can click on news, podcasts, radio stations, and more. This Weekend News, I'm Kara Hart on the Red River Farm Network. The Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Sarah Bianchi said the United States is trying to cultivate a stable relationship with China, but the two countries are in a difficult stage in the relationship. China did not meet the trade obligations within the Phase 1 trade agreement, and Bianchi said the Biden administration is considering options to hold China accountable. On Friday, the House approved a $350 billion package to enhance the United States competitiveness with China and the rest of the world. It includes $52 billion to encourage the development of a semiconductor chip industry within the United States. There's another $45 billion to provide grants and loans to strengthen the supply chain. USDA updated farmers and ranchers about the upcoming disaster assistance for 2020 and 2021 during the cattle industry convention in Houston, Texas. Last year's $10 billion disaster relief program includes $750 million, especially for livestock producers. The first phase of the drought assistance will use the Livestock Forage Disaster Program to provide up to 60% of replacement feed costs. That'll be the first phase, and then in the next phase, we'll do a more comprehensive examination of the need and try to identify any gaps that we missed in the first round of payment. Farm Service Agency Administrator Zach Ducheneau says the plan is to streamline the application process. USDA now expects payments to start going out in March. Price of anhydrous fertilizer is at an all-time high. DTN's weekly survey of ag retailers found anhydrous averaging under $1,500 per ton. UAN 28 broke through the $600 per ton mark and 32% was under $700. Both figures now new record prices. Urea was the only fertilizer price to decline this past week with the cost down 1% from the previous week. The House Agriculture Committee has started reviewing what worked and what did not in the 2018 Farm Bill. As those Farm Bill discussions continue, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack tells the Red River Farm Network what he'd like to have in the next Farm Bill and that includes flexible programs. I think we found during the course of the pandemic, uh, during the course of uh, very significant and disruptive natural resource, uh, natural disasters, that different parts of the country have been impacted and affected differently. And sometimes uh, a program which is designed uh, to be nationwide works well in one part of the country, but not as well in another part of the country. I think that's why uh, the, uh, the Congress felt the need to establish the WIP program and why they felt the need, with our support, uh, to expand and, and to increase uh, 
uh, investment in that program so that we could deal with drought, wildfire, uh, horrific winter storms, and things of that nature. The Minnesota legislative session began this week in St. Paul. A drought relief package was proposed last summer, but Minnesota Governor Tim Walz and lawmakers were unable to come to terms on a special session. With the regular session underway, House Agriculture Committee Chair Mike Sandine told the Red River Farm Network drought assistance will be expedited. The state of North Dakota wants to grow agribusiness in Grand Forks. It's a corn wet mill that could be completed by 2024. The Grand Forks City Council had a special meeting this week to review the development agreement for the project. It must be in place with the Foo Fung Group to move forward. The Foo Fung Group would like to start construction on the project this spring and summer. Many questions remain and the agreement will be discussed again at a city council meeting next week. While not admitting liability, JBS agreed to pay $52.5 million to settle a beef price-fixing lawsuit. The allegations are JBS, Cargill, National Beef Packing, and Tyson Foods conspired to limit slaughter volumes. The settlement still needs to be approved by a judge at a federal court in Minneapolis. National Cattlemen's Beef Association calling the settlement deeply disturbing. Be sure to check out more of our coverage from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show along with the American Sugar Beet Growers Association annual meeting coverage from Scottsdale, Arizona at rrfn.com. That's a look at this weekend news. I'm Kara Hart on the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota beef producers, your checkoff dollars power beef promotions with the strength to reach consumers one billion times. By bringing the Beef It's What's For Dinner brand to digital platforms, your dollars target more consumer audiences with greater efficiency and impact. Learn more about how you help to keep beef top of mind in a new generation of consumers at drivingdemandforbeef.com. Funded by the North Dakota Beef Checkoff. Providing play-by-play for the business of agriculture, the Red River Farm Network. World Weather Incorporated says Brazil can still produce a large crop. Fertilizer prices remain significantly higher. Stonex has adjusted downward its crop production forecast for Brazil. U.S. Grains Council President Chad Willis is back in Wilmer, Minnesota after a whirlwind trip to South Korea. Markets, weather, farm policy. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear it on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business. With a look at weather this week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. Above normal temperatures are in the forecast this weekend, with central South Dakota expected to reach near 50 degrees. Highs expected to be in the 30s, more common in central and eastern North Dakota and west central Minnesota. 20s are projected for the Red River Valley. Paraguay into eastern southern Brazil also expected to receive critically needed moisture through the weekend and again next weekend. World Weather Incorporated says there should be enough rain to help crops that are still viable. The remainder of Brazil will see regular rounds of rain and sun that will be beneficial for crop development. Northern and central Argentina, as well as far southern Argentina, will remain mostly dry until late next week when light rains are expected. World weather does not expect that rainfall to be really heavy enough to increase soil moisture long term. Iron deficiency chlorosis showed up in soybean fields across the Red River Valley during last year's growing season. CHS Ag Services key agronomy specialist Tim Swanson believes there is more chance for IDC to show up again in 2022. You know, I think that salt's laying up in that top layer. The other thing to consider also is uh, with the dry conditions last year, we have a lot of nitrogen that's left over showing up on soil tests and things like that. And nitrogen is only going to make that problem worse. So 
I, I think it's definitely something we have to be aware of. And if, if we've had issues, we're really going to have to be, um, you know, cognizant of the, of the varieties of the soybeans that we pick up and, and just some of the different factors that we can do. And Swanson says it's not only about selecting good, tolerant soybean varieties. Higher populations help, too, get that soybean slammed on top of each other. They work together better. Uh, and then obviously using a, a product like Soy Green to, to put that iron right in furrow where it's available and, and help mitigate some of that IDC pressure. Interseeding cover crops early in the season can establish diversity in the field. Ecdysis Foundation agriculture ecologist Mike Bredesen says interseeding cover crops helps improve soil moisture, pollination, and more. So right now we see farmers going out there utilizing cover crops and no-till. And they're rotating different crops. So oftentimes these farmers realize that a huge part of their growing season, they're hosting still just one single plant species. And as we learn more and more how important diversity is for the maintenance of good ecosystem services, such as water infiltration and maintaining beneficial insect communities, we know how important it is to maintain diversity. When we add that diversity via an interseeded cover crop, it changes the habitat because all of a sudden there is more soil moisture, there is excess pollen and nectar and other resources. Carrington Research Extension Center plant pathologist Michael Wunsch is studying sclerotinia disease in sunflowers, saying it only takes about 18 to 24 hours of sustained moisture on a sunflower head if conditions are right to cause that disease. How much disease you get is very dependent on the growth stage at which those conditions occur. So here we did inoculation studies and you can see that the susceptibility increased as bloom increased and then it dropped sharply at R6. Uh, that was in confection sunflowers. Here in oil seeds you see the same pattern almost always except you'll see there were uh, uh, two studies conducted in 2014 in Carrington where the pattern was opposite. Well in that case it was really cool and wet when the sunflowers were in the third, first third of bloom and then it got hot and dry. Okay, so the environment also matters. The susceptibility increases as uh, as bloom increase uh, progresses. Fungicides can help when disease pressure is low to moderate, but again, it's all about timing. Let's look at weather. This week in agriculture, I'm Randy Conan. A lot of companies will tell you that they're experts when it comes to your financial and insurance needs. But yet, so much of their business doesn't involve agriculture. Egg Country Farm Credit Services is not one of those businesses. We're a company for farmers, owned by farmers. So the next time you're in the market for a farm loan or crop insurance policy, contact Egg Country Farm Credit Services, where the business of agriculture lives here. World Weather Incorporated Senior Meteorologist Drew Lerner is your trusted source for agricultural weather. From the Northern Plains, we will see a little pocket of additional cooling taking place in the northeast corner of North Dakota and northwestern Minnesota. To South America, it looks like Argentina will be dry for a few more days, and Brazil will see scattered showers and thunderstorms benefiting many crop areas. Drew Lerner, only on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business.